Every life journey, everyone's journey of faith has a beginning, and we want to learn from other people's journeys too. We want to go along the way with each other. In the time that we have left this morning, I want to start. I want to start where Jesus started here on earth and take a look at what that has to do with how we live. It's August, time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why not? The story of Jesus' beginning as a human being here on earth is just as important in the summertime as at any other time, which means today on the map, we are going to visit the little village of, gotcha, Nazareth. (laughs) Because Nazareth is where a young woman named Mary and a carpenter named Joseph lived. And think about this, Jesus' very first road trip happened when his earthly parents made the 90-mile or so journey south from Nazareth to the little town of Bethlehem, the city of David, where Jesus would be born. Bethlehem was the town of a few important Old Testament events. The story of Ruth took place there uh, largely. David was living there when he was anointed king of Israel. And as the rest of the world saw it, Otherwise, Bethlehem was just small and insignificant. Today, it's a city of about 25,000 people. It's a place to visit to see the church of the nativity. But why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem is the place to bring Jesus to earth? 700 years before Jesus was born, Micah foretold that Jesus would be born in this little place that no one noticed. And you can hear it. In his words, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Think about it, the Christmas story. Joseph and Mary didn't plan to be far from their home when Jesus was born. And that feature of his birth is just one taste of a life for a little boy who would grow up in a little village in tough times. Just to give you an idea of how the times were, statistically, history tells us, about every other child born in the Middle East in the first century died before reaching adulthood. One of every two children, a 50-50 chance you would make it to graduation. Think about that. Jesus was born into that world. And Bethlehem reminds us that the story of Jesus is a human story. Although he is God in the flesh, although he is Emmanuel, God with us, he also is God who has emptied himself and come to earth. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, held on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
So the way that Jesus made his entry and the city where Jesus made his entry serves to remind us that he became a human being who can understand what it's like to be a human being. Someone who understands the human experience. The writer of Hebrews looks back at the life of Jesus in chapter 5, verse 15, says this about him. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. How many of you have in your life a challenge that you have faced or that you face all the time? Don't answer out loud, but how many of you have had that or have that in your life? My experience has been that just about every person I know has something they've got to deal with, right? Either it's some kind of a physical problem or an abusive past or a dysfunctional family. Put it on the list and we can take those things and present them as reasons that less should be expected of us. But James would point out that meeting trials of various kinds ultimately is a way that we become people who are, here are his words, perfect and complete. We could take those challenges, the things we live with, the things we've dealt with, and we could try to say that God can't really fully care about us because why? Well, he's God and we're people. He can't understand what it's like to be us. But then there's Jesus being born as a baby in Bethlehem. And I began to see how following Jesus includes walking as he walked. Or as a baby, if you will, learned to walk. Listen to what C.S. Lewis wrote, Mere Christianity. I've read this quote before. It's still a great quote. The second person in God the Son became human himself, was born into the world as an actual man, a real man of particular height, with hair of a particular color, speaking a particular language, weighing so many stone. The eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that a baby, and before that a fetus inside a woman's body. If you want to get the hang of it, think of how you would like to become a slug or a crab. So the story of Jesus' first steps is also a servant story. We flip back into Philippians 2 and keep reading there as Paul is describing this. He says in verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Though he was God, Jesus came not only to be man, but also to be a humbled man. A man who was in fact humiliated. We can learn that from his hometown here it is, da, 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 of Nazareth. Nazareth was this small kind of isolated village, only about 10 acres in size. Now think about that. We are, this morning, sitting on property. If you go outside and look around the circle of Central Christian Church, it is about eight acres. 
So add a couple acres to that, that's how big the town of Nazareth was. History tells us it couldn't have been holding in that first century when Jesus was born more than 500 people, just a few hundred people living there. It isn't mentioned at all in the Old Testament, not once. It's not mentioned by any of the old Jewish writers. It's not mentioned by any of the old historians. It doesn't even show up in writing until the fourth century. Nazareth, except for the New Testament, is never mentioned. Jesus made that little village, that little no place, his home for decades. And just that association affected his reputation. Matthew chapter 2 says that when Jesus grew up in Nazareth, so it fulfilled what was said about him by the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. When Nathanael heard from his brother, hey, we found what the Messiah perhaps? It's Jesus of Nazareth? What did Nathanael say? John 1, 46. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? When you look at Nazareth and you consider that Jesus was from there, consider this. Jesus made a road trip, if you will, many times. He made a lot of mileage. Nobody has an exact recording of how many miles Jesus walked in his lifetime. But the biggest trip, the longest journey that Jesus ever made was the journey from being God to becoming man. From being in eternity to binding himself into time, space, history. From that of being king to being a servant. From being the one who created everything to being a man who had no place to lay his head. That's quite a road trip, isn't it? And Jesus made that journey because of love. By the way, that's not some corny lyrics from some sappy love song. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should live. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. I just wanted to get one thing across this morning from our time together looking at God's word. And yeah, I'm wrapping it up already. That following Jesus includes walking as Jesus walked. It means aligning yourself with this one who was despised and rejected by men so that you and I could be accepted by God. July 19th, 2014, just a little bit over nine years ago, noon of that day, July 14th, or July 19th, 2014, was a deadline that was given by ISIS militants to the Christians who were living in northern Iraq. They went around, especially in the city of Mosul, large city there, with loudspeakers blaring it out to everybody. Followers of Jesus had a choice to make by that deadline. Either they would renounce their faith in Jesus and be true to Islam or they would leave. And if they didn't, they could face the sword or persecution of other kinds. 
They meant it. And to identify the homes and businesses of those believers in Jesus, ISIS soldiers spray-painted on the doorways the Arabic letter Nun. It's like our letter N. It's kind of a U with a dot over it. It's like our letter N because it is the first letter of the word Nasarah, Nazarene. The insult that Muslims have used for Christians for 13 centuries. You're a Nazarene. So over 100,000 people ran from their homes. Rather than renounce their faith, they fled northern Iraq with just their clothes and whatever it was they could carry, and they gave up everything that they owned rather than give up their loyalty to Jesus. Who knew? Who knew that that little insignificant village would become a rallying cry for millions of people over the centuries. Who knew that when ISIS made those threats and painted those letters on doorways that people would take that letter in and make it into a slogan of loyalty to Jesus and to them. I am in. I had a shirt that says that. I am in. Yes, I am. I'm with Jesus. Yes, I will walk where Jesus walked. I will walk as Jesus walked. And I will stand with him. And I will stand by those who stand with him. Yes, I'm in. How about you? I want to end with that this morning, with that question. And just ask you, like those people who made the choice to keep their faith in Jesus Christ and give up everything that they owned materially. We're not asking you to do that this morning, but we are asking you that question, are you in? Are you one who will walk as Jesus walked? Are you willing to be associated with that one who came first as a baby in an insignificant little town and then grew up to adulthood in an insignificant little town that ruined his reputation before he left it. Would you be willing to follow one like that? I bet you would if you were convinced that he loved you and that you needed him as your Savior. And I think this morning, if that's where you're at and you've not accepted Jesus as Lord yet in your life, that there is not a better time, there is not a better day, a better place than right here, right now. If you're ready to make that decision this morning, I want to encourage you <clears throat> during this time to just really wrestle through uh, if you need to do that. If you have not made that choice, then this morning we hope that you will, that you'll step forward and say, I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm ready, like Rory Almond did, to say, yep, it's time. I'm going to be baptized into him. I'm going to say goodbye to that old way of life, and I'm going to take on his name in my life. Let's stand up together. Let's think about how we're going to walk, with whom we're going to walk, and will you walk as Jesus walked? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to be 
encouraged by the service and by the choices of others who have done it right. Thank you, Father, also that we can look back to real places that in a real time in history were where the feet of Jesus actually walked. Places that we can look at today and remember and consider what your word has told us about them and what happened there. Lord, here we are in Rockford today. Here we are in this year, in this moment, with those same truths in front of us and with necessary choices to make. Help us please now to do with your word what you want us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.